a bumper round of goals. Avondale sit pretty on top and South slump deepens. And who needs the Euros when you've got an NPL round like this? Ladies and gentlemen, it's match week 16 of the semi-pro body. Hello, Branson, Gibson, and our listeners. I can't ask you how you are this week because I can't hear you, but Branson, I can hear you. How are things? I'm doing great. I thought you were going to say we're having technical difficulties already, mate, but I'm doing very, very good. And part of the reason for that is I am very full of fantastic MPL Victoria action. What a great weekend of football we had, mate. Yeah, always good when you see some real blowout score lines, which obviously we'll get to this week, but um, only one draw in it. I don't think there was a single game that had less than four goals in it. Um, so look, everything we love about the NPL in one round, some very interesting results for different permutations in the table. We'll get through them game by game, goal by goal, minute by minute, probably not minute by minute, we'd be here for hours. But we do this every week. Branson, you do this every week. You're still flying the flag. Very proud of you. You've got a bit of a humdinger from a cracking part of the world. What have you got on this week, my friend? I do, mate. You know me. Kit bag is my favorite segment. I am wearing a Galatasaray kit. It is their 2020-2021 home kit. Uh, Classic Galatasaray colors of, what would you call it? Almost uh, maroon and gold. It's maroon. Is that what they uh, mean? It's sort of like, it's like Dutch orange mixed with like, you know, spicy paprika red. Bloody beautiful description. Very accurate. That's what I'm wearing. Uh, it's cook it. It's half and half rather than the traditional stripes. But then where they join, it's sort of got a smoky uh, pattern texture there. So uh, it's quite good. It, uh, I like it. It's an artistic half and half kit. And uh, first uh, Turkish club kit. I have in my collection, so very happy with that. Very groovy one, mate. What are what are you wearing? I am wearing uh, a shirt with Ooh. another shirt over it because it's cold, but it's not too cold. Like, yep. I had a bowl of soup as well before we started, so that yes, naturally right. warms the cockles of the heart. I think I'm going to start doing the kit bag segment differently and say, what kit do I wish I was wearing? Oh, um, hypothetical. And, yeah, and I would really like to be wearing Liverpool's away kit from I think around about 2008. It was the white one with the red uh, like kind of sides that waved in it. It was an Adidas kit. Uh, someone said something the other day, which was there's nothing entertaining about playing Middlesbrough. And I think it was to you, Branson, that it was said. Uh, and I said, actually, there is a Steven Gerrard goal in the 92nd minute of a season opener against Middlesbrough. It's one of my favourite Stevie G free kicks. That made me think of that kit. That's what I'd be wearing this week if I had it. I don't. So that's the end of a really good kit bag segment, isn't it, Bran? It is fantastic, mate. And I love that you uh, mentioned the weather, right? Because it has been cold and it was cold over the weekend as well, but the NPL Victoria action was hot. I'll tell you what, it was, mate. Hey, uh, I know essentially Australia is like at any point about to set on fire, which is concerning, but can you have fires at the NPL? Because I would love nothing more than a couple of drums of fire, mm-hmm. just, you know, so that we can kind of sit back and, uh, you know, maybe watch some NPL football around a fire, maybe toast some marshmallows. That yep, would be right. a nice little NPL, NPL treat. We did have the firefighters called to an Altona game earlier this year because they saw smoke from the uh, barbecue cook-up and thought the club was on fire. Very quick to respond. I also am quick to respond to a barbecue cook-up. But Branson, do you know who else is quick to respond? Who? Avondale. Bad segue. Good club. You had a look at Avondale taking on Bentley. Say last year this could have, probably not last year, Season before last, could have been a very spicy fixture, but Avondale were dominant. 3-1 winners against Bentley Brand. Talk us through it. Big game. Big game and a big result in this one. Lots on the line here. Uh, first versus third. Uh, so good matchup heading into it. 
Bentley took the lead in this one. They started off the better of the two sides, but they took the lead in unorthodox fashion, mate. There was a mix-up between defender Blake Carpenter and goalkeeper Rory Bryan, which absolutely grew, uh, gifted sorry, Braden Crowley the opening goal for Bentley. Uh, Blake Carpenter went to head the ball back to the keeper. The goalkeeper came out and he ended up heading it over the keeper, allowing Crowley just to stroll in and roll the ball into an empty net. Uh, it was that goal that split the two sides at halftime. Bentley looked solid in defense in the first half, while Avondale sort of struggled going forward, uh, couldn't put in a good cross, uh, looked a little bit uh, dysfunctional going forward almost, almost, mate. But let me tell you what, that bloody changed in the second half, though. Stefan Valentini scored twice in two minutes just after the second half restart to absolutely flip the script. Uh, the second half was all Avondale, mate. Yusuf Ahmed scored Avondale's third late on to clinch all three points, a vital three points for Avondale as well. Uh, the Avengers had 14 shots and scored three goals in the second half, uh, while Bentley had uh, one shot on target in the second half. So uh, difficult to win when that's what uh, when that's what happens, when you give up three and then only manage one shot on target. Uh, for Avondale, though, mate, I just thought they really kicked it up a gear. They were lackluster in the first half, didn't look great. Second half, though, completely different story. Kicked it up a gear, and Bentley just, to be honest, mate, couldn't stick with him. Yeah, look, Avondale definitely do appear to be a different kind of gravy this season. Um, we have obviously expected Bentley to put up a bit more fight, but they do seem to be in a little bit of a lull at the moment. Um, but, you know, they're coming up... A- against a very good Avondale team. Uh, I can't, like, thinking through the league at the moment, I can't think of any team who would enjoy playing against Avondale at the moment, and Bentley seemed to be the latest to fall on the sword of Avondale. Absolutely. I think it was uh, two losses in a row for, for Bentley now after they lost to Hume as well. But another team who has been doing a little bit of losing, or quite a lot of losing actually this season, is Dandy City. They had a tough trip uh, away at Oakley Cannons, mate. How did they go? Yeah, um, look, there's no mincing this one. It was a 6-1 thumping win to the Oakley Cannons. Dandy City obviously had their first win of the season last week, uh, and we sort of saw a lot of upsets. We are very much back to normal scheduling with Dandy City at the moment. Uh, look, only one team in this one, Oakley Cannons. We've got goals from Thomas Lucas with a hat trick. Uh, Joe Guest got on the score sheet as well and Wade Decker. So a lot of familiar names there. Look, there was obviously a point where early on Braden Mann put Dandy City in front, but very shortly after, I think it was at about the 10-minute mark, Lucas scored the first of his three um, and from there on out, it only looked like the game was going one way. I think it was something like 3-1 or 4-1 at halftime, and we knew where the game was going from there. So, yeah, really, really dominant performance by Oakley. Outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. It was kind of crazy that Dandy City did score first in this one. Like, they scored in, like, the third or fourth minute. You go, oh, Come back, uh, sorry, come back. Upset could be on here, and then it absolutely was not. So, yeah, and, uh, and you just yeah. always watch that. Like, I never want to say that, it, that it's, there's a bad time to score, but Dandy City, for three minutes in, you're not going to sit on that defensively for 90-odd minutes. No. So there's a bit where maybe if it was nil-nil after 20 minutes and they scored at 20, I'd be like, oh, yeah, they could probably make a bit of a game of this, but uh, I was at no point concerned about Oakley Cannon's ability to at least get a goal in this one, if not two, but they ended up getting six. Um, that's now three wins on the trot for Oakley. Uh, we said that they hadn't started the season too well. They've got a great squad of players, though. Seems like they're finding some form. That three wins puts them up into second position. Dandy City, sadly, return to losing ways. Um, there's... Not much they can do right now other than get points. So every week that they don't, this is another one of them. It gets worse and worse for them. But there was one game that I looked at that didn't get worse and worse for either team, and that's Heidelberg versus the Melbourne Knights. 
To be honest with you, a draw seemed fair on paper before this match. And to be honest with you, the fact that it ended a draw is quite fair. Uh, We had goals from Ninkovic and Wilkins for Hardwork United and Sumaro and Albano for the Knights. Uh, Look, pretty much all the action came in the second half of this one. Um, It was a bit of a seesawing affair. And I think what we've seen from Knights this year is that they're kind of there or thereabouts of being competitive, but unable to kind of put the finishing touches home to some of these. So, yes, uh, I think it was something like the first one. They've, there's one win in the last six games for Heidelberg, um, and that sees them drop down to fourth. Uh, they're now eight points off top, which I think is, with the form Avondale are in at the moment, going to be quite hard to come back from. And I think it's one win in the last five for the Knights as well. And this kind of form, you sort of look at them as mid-table contenders and they are absolutely nailed on mid-table at the moment. They're sitting in seventh. After this result, it's interesting because I think both teams, given there was a lot of clear results in this round, both teams could go up or down from the positions that they currently see themselves in. And I think both teams next week need to get three points to kind of reverse some Pretty negative trends because, yeah, these two clubs, Heidelberg and Knights, uh, I don't think one win in the last five and six games uh, is, is good enough for them. But, uh, Bram, what are your thoughts on Heidelberg Knights' position in the table at the moment? Yeah, well, the, you're right where they sort of both sit in positions where they obviously could still go up or still go down. But I, I thought with this result, it really didn't do a lot for either side. You know, Heidelberg needed a win to sort of stay close in that race for top spot. Uh, the Knights needed a win to try to stay in the top six. Uh, I think the the equaliser for Heidelberg came late. It came in stoppage time too. So the Knights will be disappointed uh, that they conceded that. But for Heidelberg, a game at home against a team below them on the table, they would have wanted a win. So, I mean, I know it's an obvious thing to say, but I think both teams will be frustrated that they left two points on the table here. It doesn't really help either of either of them out too much. Yeah, and Knights, for all of their entertaining football, they do leave it late, and at times it's leave it late to get points. Uh, In this one, it was leave it late to drop points. And, you know, I think them and St. Albans, if you tallied up at the end of the season the points that they had from winning positions in maybe, let's go a little bit further back to 85 minutes or something, there'd probably be quite a lot of points left on the table. And, yeah, I think you're right. With that late equaliser, it does feel like dropped points. But... There is one team that are dropping points like they don't want them. It is South Melbourne, who lost 4-1 to Dandy Thunder. Bloody exciting game, Brand. Talk us through it. Well, mate, first of all, what is worse than a slump? Because whatever that is, is what South are in. Uh, things went from bad to worse. I mean, what's worse than a slump, mate? What do you call it? The oh, free fall? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'd say... It's sort of the, the thing with that works well with slump. I know a little bit of a sidebar here. Slump sounds bad. It's like one of those phonetic words that does, like phonetically it sounds like what it is. Is that an onomatopoeia or something? Uh, you are maybe. Yeah, but a slump sounds like a slump. So for mine, I think it's exactly what South are in. They're playing like the sound slump makes and right. their form is definitely in a downward trajectory. So they're in a slump. Yep, great, fantastic. Well, they have lost five of their last six league games. Uh, But talking about this one specifically, it was bloody exciting, mate. There were 37 shots in this game, and obviously quite a few of them uh, went in two. Dandenong Thunder had a huge first half. Uh, Thomas Maricic and Hamish Watson both scored in the first half to have them up 2-0 at the break. Uh, Dandenong Thunder outshot South 13-2 in the first half. It really was all one-way traffic from the Thunder. South Melbourne, though, to their credit, I thought they looked a lot better to start the second half. They did get a deserved goal through Liram Elmazi as well to make it 2-1. And with the way they were playing, it sort of looked like, you know, game on at that stage, but one goal was all they could manage and later goals from Bernarda and Josh Mika for the Thunder capped off a huge win. Uh, for Dandenong as well, goalkeeper Francis Suwali made a number of huge 
saves for his side as well, including one with what looked like his face. I think that was a cross and a header, and their header was denied by a head. So I thought that was quite poetic, quite fitting, I thought there. Uh, and again, for South, though, I mean, what in the world is happening? They were on top of the table earlier this season. I thought they were the better team in the first 25 minutes of the second half, but unfortunately for them, the game goes for 90 minutes, uh, and they got smashed for, uh, sorry, in the rest of those minutes. So on the flip side, though, Dandenong Thunder, three wins out of their last five, undefeated in their last five. They keep their climb up towards the top six. They only sit one point behind South Melbourne now, which if you'd said that six weeks ago would have been uh, would have seemed absolutely ridiculous. But Dandenong Thunder are very, very exciting. Uh, yeah, well, great result. What do you think of the Thunder, mate? Uh, I think that whole thing that you said there about the closeness between Dandy Thunder and South Melbourne on the table, what, maybe maybe six to eight weeks ago, that is wild. You just don't expect it. Dandy Thunder have definitely been impressing me far more than I expected them to this year. But, I mean, South Melbourne, it's all on them. This This is just shocking form from them. I did see a Chris Gleeson tweet who did call out that he thinks that the managerial standards at South Melbourne are not up to scratch, and I can't help but agree with him, mainly because he knows a lot more about MPL than us, and it you know gives us some sort of validity if we agree with someone um, <laughs> who knows what this whole league is about. But, yeah, I just think if South Melbourne want to reverse this trend... I was excited because I felt like they weren't going to be a mid-table club and it looks like mid-table would flatter them this season given their current form. So, yeah, Dandy Thunder, great. Loving them, loving their football. Thoroughly deserve three points. South Melbourne, put them in the bin. Yep, fair enough, mate. Uh, Big result for the Thunder. It was a big result for Hume City as well and one of their players has been in absolutely red-hot form. What did Hume City do on the weekend, mate? Yeah, Hume City are feeling a little bit back in it now. They're looking great. Uh, This was actually a pretty close first half, if I'm honest with you. Um, 4-0 to Hume, probably flatters. There is one big asterisk here, and it is a Daniel Dixon 20-minute hat-trick about 10 minutes after the halftime break. That changed the game completely. All the goals were in the second half for Hume, Eastern Lions were quite good in the first half. Things that we've come to see from them. Defensively, they're a lot stronger than they were in the sort of first eight games of last season before it was called off. But they would eventually get overrun. And Bingham rounded off the Daniel Dixon hat-trick to make it 4-0. That is now 10 consecutive league games that Bingham has scored in. And when we say Hume City are in good form, when you have got a striker like Bingham scoring 10 consecutive games in a row... You're going to go one way up the table, and, and and that's up the table. You bet. That's ridiculous as well. That's that 10, 10 league games in a row that he's scored. Uh, he's scored 13 goals this season as well. He's on top of the golden boot standings, but uh, I I don't know if you have any more onomatopoeia for, for red hot, but that's what, uh, that's what Josh Bingham is, mate. What a great result for Hume. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing about that as well is in 10 games in a league of this size, you start to get to the point where you've played against everyone. So obviously like a couple more games, if if he gets to 13 games consecutive scoring, then it means that he's not just like a flat track bully, uh, flat track bully scoring against like the bottom table teams. He's scoring against the best. He's scoring against the worst. He's just scoring for fun. So keep it up. He looks like an absolute bolt of the golden boot at the moment. But Branson... If there was a club that could get the Golden Boot Award from me right now, it would be Port Melbourne because I'm loving some of the football they're playing this season. They were 4-0 winners against St. Albans. Bran, you had a look at this one. Let us know what went down here. Well, Dad, just before we start, I thought you were saying if you could give a club the Golden Boot, you'd give gold, uh, St. Albans the Golden Boot to kick him into NPL 2. Uh, I'm like, wow, Will, that is super harsh. Not the path you went down. But, uh, but it would have actually been better, if I'm honest with you. The one, the one I went with one. was terrible. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, mate, though. It was a feeding frenzy for the Sharks at St. Albans. Uh, Lathan Dunn set the tone with an absolute galazzo. 
from the halfway line. I think it was like seven or eight minutes into the game. Caught the keeper off his line, just sort of got the ball turned, shot, and it went straight in. It had some real chic for the Czech Republic vibes, the goal he scored in the Euros. It was just a great goal, really set the tone for the game. Jackson, Courtney Perkins... Christopher Kiusis and Valentin Sestik scored. The other goals for Port overall, mate, it was just a pretty clinical performance from Port Melbourne. Uh, I watched the highlights afterwards. I watched the first half live, watched the highlights after the game. Uh, St. Albans had pretty much nothing worth talking about, which is disappointing for them. Uh, Important result for the Sharks, though, because it lifts them into a finals position. Uh, they're also in some pretty darn good form. The Sharks haven't lost a game since April. Uh, we're in July now, so that's uh, rather impressive. On the flip is that, side, but, yeah, is that is that five games? By the way, Brand, I think it's more than five. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you come in here and try to twist my stats, which sound impressive, and then make them not impressive because we had that Ooh, lockdown. The only I'm reason I say this is we talk about mid-table, and I'm sorry to interject, but. Knights not having won in, I think it was six or five games, and then Port Melbourne not having lost in a similar amount, mm. you just start to see that there's momentum in that mid-table, and I just fear for Knights and South Melbourne, who are clearly in a slump. South, way worse than anyone else. But Port, if they keep this run going, then, yeah, they're going up the table, and I love to see it. So Porter undefeated in their last nine. So that's nine games that they've Priced on a... Bike, that is yeah. a lot. Yeah, so nine games, nine games they've played since April. So that that stat, my uh, my stat holds up there. I'm 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 happy with that though. But mate, on the flip side, crap result for St Albans. Obviously, uh, another four nil loss at home. I think they got done by the Port Melbourne Sharks five nil the first time they faced them. Uh, we were saying that uh, Port haven't won. Sorry, haven't lost a game since April. St. Albans haven't won a game since March. It's now 14 games for them without a win. Their goal difference gets another hammering as well. It now sits at minus 27, which is not ideal. Uh, They've also only scored nine goals this season. So they're 16 rounds in and they're still in the single figures for goals scored. But my big result for Port Melbourne there. Yeah, absolutely. And look, there's one more game in the round to go through. We're sort of talking about the bottom of the table there. And one team that is definitely in the tail end of the table is our Tona Magic, who got pumped 4-0 by Green Gully Bran. Green Gully back in a bit of form, maybe. Uh, a little bit, almost. A, a, a very important result for Green Gully. One uh, that they certainly needed. It was their... First win in their last five games. Alex Salmon converted two penalties and scored an absolute screamer to bring up his hat trick. He had a shot that rocketed right into the top corner. Beautiful strike. Uh, Mamadi Kamara scored the other goal for Green Gully. Overall, though, mate, I do think this was a slightly deceptive scoreline. I think it flatters Green Gully a fair bit, to be honest. Uh, yes, they had one belter of a goal, the screamer that Salmon scored, but the other goals were two penalties and a mistake on a back pass to the keeper that uh, Kamara was able to pounce on and then tuck away. So one sort of genuine goal, and not saying the others aren't genuine, but they were sort of a little bit fortunate. Uh, Green Gully, though, they'll take it. It lifts them further from the relegation uh, battle. We'll get to the ladder in a minute, but it looks like they should be safe. Uh, from here. Altona, though, I thought they were really unlucky not to score. They should have had at least one goal. Uh, Overall, they had almost twice as many shots on the game uh, as Green Gully did. Bukowski, McShane, and Sato all had ripper guilt-head chances to score for the Magic, but just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. It wasn't a poor performance for... uh, Sorry, not a poor performance from Altona, but it certainly was a poor result, and considering they have uh, one win this year, uh, it's a bit of a, you know, par for the course, I guess, and it, it, it's not really a result that's going to help them in their relegation battle, mate. 
Yes, absolutely won't, but let's see if they can do anything because that bottom of the table is starting to look very well occupied by three teams. We can get to them now. Brand, do you want to talk us through the table, actually? I feel like you love this bit. I will do it. I reckon I like it. Yeah, yeah. thank you. I will, Will. Let me get to it. So (laughs) I'll just stop talking, stop mucking around. I'll just read it out. So in top spot. On 35 points, we have Avondale leading the way after 16 games played. In second place are the Oakley Cannons. They're five points behind. They sit on 30 points. In third place sit Hume City on 27 points. Equal with them on points, but behind a goal difference is Heidelberg United in fourth place and the Bentley Greens in fifth. Those three sides on 27 points. Port Melbourne, they climb into the top six. They are sixth with 26 points. The Knights sit in seventh with 25. South Melbourne are now in eighth spot, 23 points for them. They are one point ahead of Dandenong Thunder. They sit in ninth on 22. Green Gully are in 10th on 19 points. The Eastern Lions in 11th on 15 points. Then we have Altona Magic, Dandenong City, and St. Albans. The bottom three all on 10 points with only goal difference separating them. Mate, if we have a look at that ladder, I have a question for you, mate. Is it now a two-horse race between Oakley and Avondale for top spot? And the reason I sort of ask that is Bentley, Hume, and Heidelberg all sit eight points behind Avondale. And, like, yes, there's still... Uh, I think 10 games to go, but eight points is quite a big gap. The Oakley Cannons, they're only five points behind. Is it a two-horse race, or do you think Hume, Heidelberg, and Bentley still have a chance? It's a weird one because it's only five points, and obviously watching the NPL, we know that that can dissolve very quickly as a lead. But, man, I'm even struggling to think that it's a two-horse race. I just think Avondale have looked not at their best, for large portions of this season, but have still dominated and got points and been clinical. If Avondale get, I don't know, maybe 10, 15% better, which I feel like they still can, no one's near them. And I just think I, I can't see them at this stage going on a real, a real form slump that would allow other clubs that are being a bit inconsistent to capitalize on it. Mm. So if anything, I would say I can't see Avondale having less than a five-point lead for the rest of the season. I think they'll either keep or improve on that gap. So, yeah, for mine, a bit of a cop-out question, but I don't even think it's a two-horse race at the moment. I think it's Avondale setting a very, very good tone at the top of the table there. Wow, big call, big call. I think, you know, it's it's going to be interesting because Avondale, you're right, they look very, very good at the moment. That second half against Bentley was fantastic, uh, but we know that they have an absolute reputation for uh, for choking and for blowing it late on in the second half of the season. So it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, eight-point gap over Bentley and Heidelberg and Hume. Oh, man, I don't know if they can catch them. I, I'm not willing to rule out Oakley, but... It's tight, and you know the the race for the top six is is now wide open, and uh, yeah, the race down the bottom is is certainly well. I was going to say heating up, but uh, it's sort of just staying staying cold, I guess, because yeah, they all just kind of keep losing. But mate, it's a fantastic NPL Victoria season. It's very exciting. It is, and I think that there's you know where there's a five point lead at the top, the bottom three are five points off eleventh placed Eastern Lions. So I mean Eastern mm. Lions, you would definitely not say are safe. But no. where there's a five-point lead at the top of the table that looks like a bit of clear air for Avondale, uh, you know, you could even say that the bottom three is already decided. Like, you know, Eastern Lions, they've got, what, two wins in their last five games because I can see the green and red dots. So at least they're kind of getting a little bit more consistency of wins. But, yeah, I just... That bottom three is flattering to impress me at all this year. Altona, Dandy City and St. Albans Saints. Big trouble. And again, same thing. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the bottom of the table stay like that for the rest of the season. Um, Mm. I'm just looking forward to to more games, man. I'm excited. I am. Well, we've got more games to get through. I mean, because let's be honest, Bran, uh, the first, what, six rounds of this season, we were just covering the men's game and then the women's game kicked off and we had an absolute humdinger of a fixture on the weekend. It was FV emerging the new 
franchise, I'd say. Probably not new, but, you know, reborn out of the fire of senior NTC. Um, taking on Calder United, who have been sort of stuttering a little bit. FE emerging, very entertaining all year round. Calder won this one 2-0. Very, very crucial win for Calder, this one. Uh, this stops a potential slump uh, in their sort of poor run of form. Uh, and it was, yeah, very early on, Toronto put them in the lead. And then just before halftime, Sinclair put a penalty away to give them a 2-0 lead. Uh, very exciting game, but look, I really thought that FE Emerging were going to get points out of this one. Just not good enough on the day, and Calder definitely did enough, and that's uh, the first win for them in the last three games. Obviously, they had a draw last week in that very dramatic game, uh, and then a loss before that. So yeah, three points comes very crucially to them. Uh, we'll get to the ladder later on, but it kind of puts them around the same point as FV emerging. But Brand, you had a look at Box Hill and Alamein. How did they go? It was a good game. It was a 1-1 draw out at Wembley Park in Box Hill. Aaron Kite gave the Triangles the lead in the first half with a long-range banger. A fantastic goal, but it was cancelled out by a neat finish from Caitlin Story in the second half for Alamein. Uh, with the game at 1-1, Alamein looked more likely to go on and get the win, but uh, Box Hill goalkeeper Erin Hudson said, not if I have anything to do about it. Um, and, of course, she's a goalkeeper, so she had a bit to do about it. Uh, she made a couple of very good saves uh, to keep the scores level. The game ended at one all, which for Box Hill, it's just their fourth point of the season. They now have one win and one draw, so a, a positive result for them. For Alamein, though, they missed a chance to jump above Heidelberg. I think they'll be the more frustrated of the two sides. Obviously, Box Hill below them on the table. They had the better chances in the second half. Uh, came incredibly close to finding a winner. There was a ball that was saved by Hudson literally on the line. So they were centimetres away from all three points. Couldn't quite get there in the end. Uh, the Yeah, points were shared with a one-all draw. The points were not shared, though, William, nor were the goals in this next game. Bulleen, four, Bayside, nil. Tell me about it. Yeah, I feel like Bayside would love it if a team would share some goals with them. Their goal difference is, I think, now hovering in uh, not quite Southern United territory, but I think on negative 42 after 10 games. So, yeah, shipping about four goals a game for them seems to be the norm, and they shipped four against Boleyn. Um, look, you really can't say much more other than it was an absolutely commanding win for Boleyn. 4 0, uh, absolutely dominant. Bayside, look, like they're not really going to challenge anyone this season. There were goals to Morrison and Yavanevsky in the sort of first 20 odd minutes. Eliada scored, and then just after the halftime break, around about 20 minutes after, Eliada put home a second. So, Look, from start to finish, it was all bullying lines. Three points to them, no points to Bayside United. That's a comment we keep on file on this podcast. Another comment we keep on file is South Melbourne, the women's team at least, winning. And did they win in style against Heidelberg in a big old Greek derby in the NPLW brand? Talk us through this one. Yeah, it was another strong performance from South. They were simply way too good for Heidelberg. Uh, Melina Ayres scored three goals for South, while Amy Medwin, Akeisha Sandu, Lucy Johnson, and Catherine Goff each scored one. Uh, Melina Ayres has scored 13 goals this season in 10 games for South Melbourne. She is the league's leading goal scorer. Uh, which is great for her. Uh, Medwin's strike, though, that was the pick of the bunch. It was a top bins belter from outside the box. She had the ball cut inside and then blasted her shot home. It was a beautiful strike. Uh, the final score was 7-0, but believe it or not, it was actually 1-0 at half time. Uh, Heidelberg, after going behind, did hit the crossbar in the first half too, so they actually came pretty close to equalising. Second half, though, totally different story. They had a player sent off. Uh, which made it worse. It was all one-way traffic, though. South just too good. They picked up their ninth win in 10 games as well. They sit on top of the table, mate. And with that, we can take a look at 
how the table stands. South Melbourne on top after 10 games played. They've got nine wins, one loss. They sit on 27 points. The Bulleen Lions, they are in second place on 22 points. Uh, that win for Calder United, mate, you said it very important. They move up into third. They're on 19 points. Senior NTC, sorry, FE Emerging, uh, right behind them uh, on 19 points, just behind on goal difference. Heidelberg, they sit fifth on 13 points. Alamein just one point behind them in sixth on 12. Fox Hill United, they got, uh, as we said, their fourth point of the season. They are in seventh. And Bayside United, still without a win, still without a draw. They are bottom of the tables, still chasing their first points, mate. Yes, uh, big table sort of. Uh, the thing that I love about the uh, MPLW table at the moment is that call to win against FE Emerging is very tasty for the following pack. So third and fourth are on goal difference alone differentiated and then Bulleen Lions on 22 points. So look, if uh, any of those teams put a string of games together or have a slump in form, you'll start to see that second, third and fourth chopping and changing around quite a bit. But I mean, look at the moment, it just feels like who's going to catch South Melbourne. And after that very dominant win, I don't know who can, but Branson, we've gone through two, we've gone through two tables. Tables are not where our loves lie, mostly because you're a Fulham fan and you often see the bottom of it. Spicy. Brutal. That was good. I mean, it but, hurt, but it was good. Yeah, yeah, it hurt, but it was good. But we've got some cup stuff, and we Ooh. love cup stuff. This is round seven of the FFA Cup, and most importantly, this is the last round before the national stage. And that makes me very excited for two reasons. Two, I cannot wait. To, first one, actually. Start at number yep. one. <laughs> I cannot wait to see which Victorian clubs are going to represent us on the national stage. And most importantly, it means that we're only one round away from introducing the big dogs, seeing which of those A-League clubs are going to get drawn against state league clubs and, you know, some of the sort of maybe surprise packets of clubs that are in the NPL or, or lower that are going to get drawn against them. And we always see some upsets in the early stages because, of course, the A-League has its off-season and the NPL continues on for a little bit and they've kind of go into it with a hot head of steam. And the A-League clubs are kind of in their pre-season. So I'm excited. Bran, talk us through what FFA Cup fixtures we have on this week. Yeah, so on Tuesday night, we have the Oakley Cannons taking on South Melbourne. That's going to be a massive one. We also have Avondale taking on Pasco Vale. Pasco Vale, who are joint top of the NPL 2 as well. So that one might not be as one-sided as uh, as the names would suggest there. On Wednesday night, we have Port Melbourne taking on the Moreland Zebras and Mombolk Rangers taking on Hume City. It's going to be a tough ask for Mombolk Rangers, but geez, it'd be good to have a, uh, a state league side in the national stages of the FFA Cup. Uh, I saw this week as well that for at least the round of 32 of the FFA Cup, they are splitting it into regions. So all the Victorian NPL teams will be in the south. I think with Melbourne City, the Devonport Strikers and Wellington Phoenix. So a bit of a bummer that, you know, we can't see, you know, uh, Mombolk Rangers or someone traveling to Brisbane or uh, the NT or anything like that. So that's a little bit of a bummer. But, mate, I'm still very, very excited for these cup games, it's going to be fantastic to see what happens. Hopefully, we get a bit of a bit of drama and a bit of cup set there as well, because there will be plenty on the line. There is also this week, mate, some Nike FC Cup action. Uh, the Casey Comets will take on the might of South Melbourne on Wednesday night as well. So, plenty of cup games coming at us this week, mate. Yeah, bloody love to see it. And I think one thing that I'll say about those uh, FFA Cup games is that of all the fixtures, there is not one that I'd be unhappy with that team going through. So, you know, as far as Oakley or South is concerned, I think if either of them go through, look, hopefully South have better cut form than they do league form, but I'd be happy to see either of those guys on the main stage. Avondale versus Paco, same thing. Port Melbourne versus Moreland Zebras, happy either way that one goes. And Monbulk Rangers, if they make it, that's incredible. But the f- form Hume City's in, if they go through, I think they can actually do some damage. So, 
you know, really, really exciting round of fixtures. I'm glad that we've got four great games uh, to, so, to sort of look forward to and see who's going to represent Victoria on the national stage. Bran, we do it every week, but it always feels like a massive achievement. That is the NPL men's, women's and cup stuff done. Let's sit back. Relax. Maybe take a deep breath. Maybe we should do a guided meditation episode of the Semi Pro Potty One Week, where we just in dulcet tones talk about the things that are so semi professional and things that we liked. Branson, kick us off. What was something that was so semi professional you saw from this week? Well, I saw a very weird one coming out of the MLS, and I kind of have a love cringe relationship when it comes to the MLS, and this one fits perfectly into that category. Uh, Nashville, they had a special guest uh, on the guitar before the game. They do a Gibson guitar riff before every game, apparently. Great, very semi-professional. But the special guest this week that they had playing the guitar before kickoff was Soccer Moses. Uh, So I don't know who Soccer Moses is. I don't know if he's a native of Nashville, but uh, he pretty much walks down out of the grandstand. He's got the beard. He's got the robes. He's got a sign saying, let my people go. Uh, he then jumps on the guitar, belts out a uh, electric guitar solo riff, and then uh, walks off, which is uh, pretty, pretty it's cool. So, it's so confusing. Like It is. <laughs> I don't know. It's as if you've gone to one of those websites that's like a random sentence generator. <laughs> and it's just picked a whole lot of words and just jammed them in there and put a couple of like connectors in there. And you're like, no, this really doesn't make sense. Like, yes, you've constructed a sentence, but none of it is coherent. Yeah, it's such a weird thing. I mean, like, I quite like the MLS. I'm a big fan of uh, American sports as well. I don't know if some of the Americanisms necessarily translate too well to football. So, again, I can't decide if I love mm. it or, or hate it, but uh, Soccer Moses I, on the yeah, guitar. I, I think there's a big part of it as well where obviously America doesn't give a shit about what the world thinks of it because of its <laughs> overly garish nature. But being from a godless country of Australia, like religion just never really factors into my sort of lens of the world. But I saw this and I was like, I just feel like there would be some very conservative Christians who would see that and see it as blasphemous. And I'm like, oh, God, like, I just I just think it's playing with fire. Is it? Am I being precious with this? Like, was Moses anything, like, I know he parted the Red Sea, but that, like, is that what he's doing with the crowd? I just didn't get any of it. Like, none of it culturally made any sense to me, and I would not have been surprised if someone had shot him. <laughs> bit, bit extreme, but, yeah, it turns out uh, Sucker Moses is, is a Nashville fan. It, it worked. They beat uh, Philadelphia Union uh, 1-0. But, mate, <laughs> <laughs> what did you What did you He parted the Philadelphia Union defence at least once, so there we go. Uh, but, mate, what did you see that was super semi-professional? Well, I saw something that was I could probably only de- call divine intervention, and this was the back pass in the Croatia versus Spain game. That night of football was some of the most fun I've had at watching professional football in a long time. And I don't know, we talk about it a lot, but goalkeeping howlers are just great fun. They really are. And you kind of see, when you see them on the main stage of a major tournament, they just mean more. And a back pass from your defender to the goalkeeper in a knockout game who touches it very faintly and it goes into the back of the net is one of the most satisfying things to see. So I am putting that back pass, goalkeeper, own goal pretty much as my that's so semi-professional this week. And it just brought me so much joy. And you show it to people and you see the joy on their face and it just makes the world a better place. Uh, Extremely semi-professional. I love seeing that because you go that like... It just humanizes professional football. Yeah, yeah. By no means, if you haven't seen it, by no means is it a difficult back pass. The ball is slowly rolling towards the goalkeeper and he just misses it. And my favorite part is, mate, you said it was an own goal. It was. It doesn't go down as an own goal against the keeper. It goes back. It, it, sorry, it got credited as an own goal for the Spanish player who played it to him, which was Pedri. So Pedri will be filthy because he's just, you know, played a normal basic pass to the keeper who's whiffed. 
Uh, it's all the goalkeeper's fault, but he was the one who got punished with uh, the young goal. Yeah, well, I mean, you miss every shot you don't take, so he took that shot with a plomb. Yeah. Um, Bran, what else did you have from your semi-professional view on the world? I had a, I have a double-barreled one here. I uh, saw, what was it, uh, the Thunderkeeper making a save with his face. I thought that was uh, more to the professional side of, of semi-professional, but I just thought that was uh, quite good. It's just a, a very semi-professional sentence to say, made the save with his face. Uh, and speaking of faces, we saw a crazy semi-professional moment in the Copa America Brazil's Gabriel Jesus kicking Chile's Ejinho uh, Menya in the face in the Copa America. Essentially, there's a bouncing ball. Uh, Menya goes up to win the header. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm not going to hit I'm just going to kick it. Uh, and ends up getting him full on in the face. Uh, studs and everything. Needless to say, he was showing a red card. But you just see the challenge and you're like, oh my goodness. That is so- uh, incredibly semi-professional. Yeah, so this always happens. This doesn't always happen. I'll, I'll preface this. There are certain things that I see a still image of that I go, I'm not fucking seeing that. And the first time I remember it happening was the film I Am Legend, where it's like a Will Smith survival movie and there's a dog on the cover of it. I'm like, I know that dog's going to die. I'm not going to watch this movie. Wow. Correct. Dog dies in it. Glad I didn't watch that movie. And I got all of that from the poster. When I saw a tweet of this and I just saw like, I didn't even see the foot in the face. I just saw like how high the foot was, where the face was, and the ball. I was like, I'm not going to watch this. I'm not watching this. I know what happens. That guy's going to get an entire foot in his face, and it's going to hurt a lot, and I don't need to see it. I can already imagine what's happening. It's either going to be worse than what I imagine or the same as what I imagine. So I haven't seen it. I've seen it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's not good. Uh, I didn't like it in terms of uh, footballing, you know, spectacle. I think there was, also, like there was also a shocking challenge in the Euros, wasn't there? I can't remember. Was it the Sweden game? Oh, yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. and again, same thing. Saw the still image. I'm like, I don't need to see that in 24 frames per second. That's disgusting as a still image. Yeah, like he, uh, the Swedish player dived in, uh, studs up, got the Ukrainian player. I think he made contact like just below the knee. The terrible, knee, yeah. Terrible well, challenge, mate. Yeah. But let me tell you, we don't like to see that, but we do like to talk about what we did like. Uh, you go first. What were some of the things that uh, that you liked this week, mate? I, I didn't have heaps from this week. Look, I, I sort of mentioned it before, but that uh, that night of Euros where it was the Croatia versus Spain, and I know that I said that it was one of the most fun nights of football, but I'm blanking on the early, on the late game from that one. But uh, I in France. Switzerland, France. Yeah, exactly. I got up and I was so giddy to show everyone I knew the highlights from those two games because it was... I've had a a bit of a challenge with professional football lately. This was everything that I liked about professional football about a decade ago coming back in one night, and it just felt great. So that was really good. I liked that. But I'm actually going to throw to one. Simon Hill put up a tweet the the other day, and it was... Notes from the Italy game from the 2006 World Cup. And it was really interesting to see how much research and how much preparation. I mean, you kind of know that they go through preparation, but it was interesting to see the notes and how it's structured and how they call upon it. And it was just, um, yeah, have a look at it. Simon Hill's tweet. Really interesting insight as to how a commentator on a game sounds like they know literally everything about football ever. And they've just got some select notes on certain players. Really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and just touching on that very, very quickly, apparently Simon Hill says he handwrites all of his pregame notes, which I think is kind of cool. Which would kind of make sense because that's how you kind of commit things to memory as well. Like mm-hmm. I, I do that. I more often than not do research and write things out on like an, like on a doc. And then when I need to commit it to memory, I write it down on paper. Like, and, uh, it's kind of good. And I like it. And his handwriting's bloody good as well, if I'm honest with you. Shine <laughs> sight better than mine. But, Bran, what else did you have on your things that you liked? Well, I've got uh, a few here. So the first one, just quickly, I'm going to say I liked Altona's Red Sox. They played uh, with a white, uh, white jersey, black shorts, and red socks. They wore it last week as well. Saw them again this week. And do you know what? I just thought to myself, 
I quite like that, so I reckon I'll put it in this segment. So that's what I'm leading off with. Uh, I also saw another thing which I think is official. Let me preface it with that. Uh, I saw it on Twitter from Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He tweeted out uh, a trailer with a link to I Am Zlatan the Movie. Gave the trailer a watch. Looked uh, quite interesting. Uh, And essentially, it's a movie about him and like his journey through football in particularly as a kid so again i can't tell if it is like a zlatan piss take or if it's a genuine thing if it is a genuine thing though uh, i'm looking forward to watching that because i reckon he is just about my favorite footballer of all time i reckon so uh yeah uh, that'll be interesting. Um, mate, we've spoken about the Euros a little bit. Uh, two things that I saw that we like there. The first is uh, the fact that the f- uh, sorry, the fact that France and Netherlands are both out. Uh, they were both upset in the what was it round of sixteen? France lost to the Swiss on penalties, and the Netherlands lost to the Czech Republic. So, I mean, we mentioned before with the FFA Cup, we like a, a couple of cup sets, and we saw that in the Euros as well, which was very, very groovy. Another thing that I saw on Twitter as well from that Switzerland-France game was uh, there's a great uh, like double photo of a Swiss fan at the game. Yeah. And uh, when, so essentially, sorry, Switzerland were trailing... 3-2 late on, there was a fan of him, he's got his hat, got his jersey on, uh, and he's on the verge of tears. He's very sad, very upset that Switzerland... Uh, he's, he's pulling He's pulling a great sad brand, is the only way I can describe it. He is doing an emphatic sad brand. He does indeed look very, very sad. Uh, but Switzerland would go on to... Oops, jeepers, sorry, I had a spoon on my desk and I knocked it over. Um, Switzerland would go on to score a 90th minute equalizer and then the next photo it's of the same guy like two minutes later and he is just like he's beyond fired up his hat's gone his shirt's off he's like yelling he's tensing and he just he dude's pumped so it's just a great snapshot of the emotions of football you know sadness and despair and then literally two minutes later uh just pure i don't want i was gonna say joy but he's more exhilarated and he's just i don't even know where his shirt and his hat went you know, I don't but, think uh, he knows, and I don't think he yeah, cares because I don't think he does I mean, it's it's the time difference between the two that I think makes it special. Like we probably all had that over the course of like sixty minutes, but yeah, like a handful of minutes that means a lot. I love that. Um, Brian, I'm going to round out the what we like section, and I'm going to I'm going to bring back an old segment that was a favourite of mine. Brian, have you seen a film called Twister? Do you know what? Yes, I have. Oh, and- what's it about? It's literally about a tornado, I'm pretty sure, a, a, a twister. I think I watched in, like, year 10 high school geography class or humanities yeah. class yeah. or whatever. Cool. So we kind of all did that. And yeah. I'm just going to implore to everyone to go back and rewatch that film <laughs> because it is so enjoyable. I put it on as background noise the other night and just was captivated from minute one. It's a monster film. It's 100% a monster film. Oh. The monster is weather. Like, the first oh. scene is, like, a family hiding in a bunker and you've got, like, them looking out the porthole and there's, like, all the storm stuff going on. Fuck, it was so much fun. I've genuinely not had that much fun in a film in a long time. Highly recommend. I'm really glad you've seen it as well because I feel like if there was a film that I was going to win you over with, it would be Twister. Great. Well, might have to re-watch it, mate. But, mate, we are coming up towards the end of the podcast. Let's finish strong. Uh, let's have a look at the upcoming fixtures here. I'll go through the fixtures while I'm reading them out. I want you to have a think. I want you to uh, ponder the tips. I'll read them out. Uh, then I'll we're just going to do the tips oh, as oh, we go. We've got to do Ooh. it. Yeah, 100%. Right, Smart way to right. do it. All right, here we go. Friday night, South Melbourne taking on Green Gully. I reckon this is when South rebound. Oh, yeah. you're an idiot because I've already written down Green Gully. <laughs> Great, cool. Didn't see it. Green Gully it is then. Uh, the Knights take... Yeah, hang on, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's oh. quickly go back. Why do you think South Melbourne are going to rebound off the back of, like... I just, just... I, I just think that they... While I think their early season form, I think they were punching above their weight, I think they've now gone too far in the other direction. I think they are a better side than their recent form suggests. They, I, I still think they are a good football team. Uh... 
I think they'll win. I, I think Green Gallery are, are more flawed than South. Let's put it that you way. You are That's right. What? Okay. Yeah, I trust your judgment. Cool. We've changed it. Watch me be wrong. Uh, the Knights are taking on the Oakley Cannons on Friday night. Which way are you leaning? Just typing it now, and I don't even think it's a question. That's an Oakley Cannons win, no cool. doubt. Uh, this next one, this is a monumental game. Friday night as well. Dandenong City taking on... Altona Magic, if we have a look back up at the table, there it is. That is 12th against 13th. Not many games left for for these bottom sides to pick up points. Playing a fellow struggler, there's no better time to do it. Who are you leaning towards in this one? It is at Dandenong City, if that makes any difference. I mean, it hasn't made a difference for any other fixtures this year. Um, But I do see that there is gravity with this, them being at the same point in the table. I think we are going to get a draw out of this one. I think it'll be kind of like one of those fixtures where it helps neither team. And both teams really need help at the moment. So I actually feel like shared points feels on par for this one. Yep. Nice. Uh, St. Albans will be taking on the Dandenong Thunder on Sunday. No Saturday games. Four games on Sunday. Sorry, three on Friday, four on Sunday. St. Albans taking on Dandenong Thunder. Surely. Andy Thunder are great, yeah. yeah Andy Thunder yeah. are really entertaining, and I think yep. power to him. St. Albans Saints throw points late, so even if it's drawing towards the end, I think Dandy Thunder have got enough in their arsenal to get three points. Great call. Eastern Lions taking on Avondale. Uh, surely Avondale win that one. I mean, they could slip up this season. Uh, sorry, heading into the late part of this season. I don't think this is the game that they'll do it, though. What do you think? No, I mean, Eastern Lions, they seem to be able to put together maybe like a good 50 minutes or f- patches here and there, but they're, ne- they're not seeing out 90-minute games. So I think this has got Avondale written all over it. But it might be a little bit closer in the first half than we expect. Mm. Cue Avondale to be 4-0 up at halftime and <laughs> me to look like a fool. No worries. Uh, the next game is Heidelberg United taking on the Bentley Greens. This is a big one. Uh, both these teams not exactly uh, firing on all cylinders at the moment. Heidelberg one win in their last five. Bentley have lost two in a row. It's at Heidelberg. They're both on 27 points. A bad game to lose, but what do you think's going to, for one of these sides, sorry, but what do you think's going to happen? Bad game to lose, and it's 100% why I think Bentley are going to win. I think this is the kind of pressure cooker. I know Heidelberg are good at the crunch as well. But I think this game is kind of the pressure cooker where Bentley can start to get some form back back in their favour and uh, kind of jackknife themselves back up the table a little bit. Yep. Thoughts? Good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards Bentley, uh, but I think it'll I just, be tight. I'm, I just I'm don't want it to be a draw. Yeah, I, just don't, I don't want to tip a draw because I just don't think it's a draw. I think both teams have got the ability to get a result under pressure. Good. Last game, another dead set ripper. Port Melbourne taking on Hume City. How is this one going to play out? Two teams who have been very good lately. This is a 3-3 draw, and I think it's going to be one of the games of the season. Right. Calling it. Cool. I'll back that. Um, I'm looking forward to it. You've, you've sold me. Uh, well, that brings out... Uh, sorry, brings a close to our preview section for the NPL men. So we're tipping South Melbourne. Oakley, a draw between Altona and Dandy City. We're tipping the Thunder, tipping Avondale, tipping Bentley, and then tipping a draw in the Port Hume game. Mate, taking a look at the NPLW, four games, of course, this weekend as well. We've got Cordy United taking on Box Hill. Heidelberg will face off against Bulleen. Alamein will face South Melbourne. And Senior, uh, sorry, FE Emerging will play Bayside. Lovely. Branson Gibson, another ripper. Not even a bumper episode. We got through a lot, though. We always seem to be getting through a lot in these episodes. I feel like it was a lot easier about two years ago, but, you know, this is what happens when you've got lots of football going on. That's us done for the week. I'm at Chambershire on Instagram. You're at Branson Gibson on Twitter. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Semi Pro Potty. 
Let us know what games you're going to. Keep enjoying football. Watch some of the cup ties this week. Go out on the weekend. Watch a couple of clubs in your area. Keep being some semi-professional. And thank you very much for joining us for the Match Week 16 episode of the Semi-Pro Potty.